This is News Therapy. We try to bring you insights into the uh, psychology behind social issues this week. Very pleased to have joining us once again, Dr. Won e n s u Professor of Psychiatry at Cha University School of Medicine and Chaum Life Center. Professor, thank you for joining us once again. Good morning. Good morning to you. So today we're going to discuss the uh, mental health of healthcare workers uh, during uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we often refer to them as the frontline kind of workers, uh, the soldiers in this uh, war against the pandemic. So from a mental health perspective, what aspects of this pandemic could be considered most challenging for first responders and medical personnel? Mm-hmm. Well, although he- healthcare professionals are portrayed as strong and resilient, yeah. and I'm sure they are to some extent, yeah, they yeah. go to work right. every day at great personal risk, they're still human too, and they have the same anxieties and fears as everyone else. So one of the major concerns is getting infected themselves and passing it on Mm. to their families and their loved ones, as cases as such have been reported all over the world. And some have reported psychological pressure as they feel as if they're choosing between protecting themselves and their families and doing their jobs. Uh, A lot of staff are deliberately isolating themselves from family members And that disrupts their social support system when they need it the Mm. most. And also, especially in areas with high mortality rates, healthcare professionals are being exposed to death um, constantly. And this contributes to a lot of factors. First of all, healthcare workers are getting concerned about their own death, um, which is actually happening in numerous countries. And witnessing death repeatedly in such a short period of time is a traumatic event and can really take a toll on you. Also, as a specific treatment, um, it doesn't exist yet. A majority of physicians are reporting feelings of helplessness because there's only so much they can do for the patients. And last but not least, medical staff are overworking Mm. themselves due to the lack of personnel and they're becoming exhausted and experiencing occupational burnout. Right. A lot of this is uh, quite understandable. You you kind of think of them as maybe superheroes or even just people who are inured to the realities of life and death. Mm -hmm. You see the TV dramas of uh, the doctors, oh, he's coding and then time of death, uh, 1142. It just seems like part of the job. But for them, this is also a kind of, it takes a a huge uh, mental toll. Professor, what, what kind of mental issues can arise uh, from health workers during this kind of period? Well, as I've just mentioned, witnessing death repeatedly in such mm. a short period of time is a traumatic event. And it can contribute to developing clinical symptoms, symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. The symptoms being um, intrusion symptoms, such as distressing memories and recurrent bad dreams, avoidance symptoms, such as avoiding related people and places. So they might want to avoid being at the hospital altogether because that's where the traumatic events had happened. Negative alterations in cognitions and moods, such as blaming themselves for something that's not their fault. For instance, um, the death of their patient is not their fault, but medical personnel, they do tend to blame themselves as a symptom. And irritable behavior, hypervigilance and exaggerated startle responses, concentration problems, sleep problems, that can all happen in PTSD. Also, the self-isolation I was talking about um, because they're afraid that they're going to pass something on to the family members. That may worsen feelings of loneliness and isolation and contribute to clinical depression. Studies during the SARS epidemic actually reported um, quarantine to have serious 
mental health effects on the healthcare work, um, healthcare workers, and symptoms of acute stress disorder and alcohol abuse. That was that was actually reported, mm. and also a recent study on mental health effects of COVID 19 on healthcare workers in China. Um, reported high rates of anxiety, insomnia, and distress. And suicide is something that we should be very concerned about. As all the psychiatric conditions that I just mentioned just now, it can lead to suicidal behavior. Mm -hmm. And for instance, I'm sure you've heard of the New York City emergency room doctor who had committed suicide last month. Yeah, and so we all lump medical professionals maybe into one group sometimes, but uh, most of these people are not uh, psychologists or psychiatric uh, psychiatrists who have that uh, expertise to mm-hmm. deal with it. What, what can uh, healthcare workers do to uh, avoid developing these sort of mental difficulties? Mm-hmm. Well, our healthcare workers are highly likely to be feeling under intense pressure at this time. And to acknowledge this is normal. To be feeling this way is important. Um, Stress and the negative feelings associated with it, it doesn't mean that you're unable to do your job. Mm. Managing your mental health and psychosocial well-being during this time is as important as managing your physical health. Um, Try to help useful coping strategies such as ensuring sufficient rest between shifts and eating sufficiently because people tend to skip their meals. And if possible, eat healthy because that really... If it influences your mental health, stay in contact with family and friends. If not, if you can't be around them physically um, through, you know, phone calls or SNS and avoid using unhelpful coping strategies such as alcohol Mm -hmm. or other kind of substances, Mm -hmm. because in the long run, it's going to worsen your physical and mental well-being. And use strategies that have worked for you in the past to manage um, times of stress. Because a lot of people tend to feel guilty to do pleasurable activities when everyone else is having such a hard time. But, you know, the psychosocial well-being of medical personnel is essential to the treatment of patients. And turn to your colleagues because they're probably having the same um, experiences as you. And if you feel as if the stress and pressure is is overwhelming and is not going to be handled by just coping strategies on your own, don't hesitate to reach out to available sources that can provide you professional help. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, bottom line, what can the health system, uh, hospitals, physician uh, practices do to then support the mental health of their employees? Mm -hmm. Well, I think experts need to be, um, they need to intervene to help protect their mental health. So I think programs like such as preventive measures, such as um, stress reduction, like mindfulness or educational materials, or in the moment measures, such as hotlines mm. and crisis support. And treatment measures such as telepsychiatry, because I know it's going to be hard for the medical personnel to go see a psychiatrist in right. such a right. um, crazy time. And if medication in need, if is needed, you know, they should take it. And mental health management is not just something that's that needs to be undertaken in this kind of emergency situation, but even after this situation, it should be carried on and continued. Well, Dr. Wan, I think we have more time here, so uh, maybe we can broaden this discussion. Uh, what would be the psychological effects of a prolonged pandemic like COVID-19 on the wider public? Well, as we all know, anxiety, fear were the main psychological reactions at the very beginning, yeah. uh, mainly targeted on the virus itself. So mm. how infectious and deadly is the virus or can I and my family get infected? But I think on the other hand, there was hope and wishful thinking that the extent of damage would not exceed that of the SARS or mm. MERS and the duration of the most acute and dangerous stage would be over soon. But 
you know, it's not the case now. And on top of the domestic situation not being completely contained yet, mm. COVID-19 has become a global pandemic. So now people are realizing that this is not a sprint. It's a very extremely challenging and probably exhausting marathon. And although a hearty amount of anxiety is still focused on the physical stretch, threat the virus is imposing on us. The anxiety now has broadened to the secondary effects of COVID-19. For instance, the economic burden. Mm. Countless people are losing their sources of income and are questioning whether or not they'll be able to financially survive this ongoing situation. But because there isn't much we can actually do, the feelings of helplessness and hopelessness are heavily building up. And this is steadily turning into anger. So we've talked about the negative psychological influences of social distancing. And although being a necessary process, it can really add on to the feelings of loneliness and isolation and depression. And people starting to feel exhausted and find it harder to keep up with strict regulations. Uh, So if the initial reaction was anxiety and fear, the feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, exhaustion, depression and anger are catching up with the anxiety Well, this is something that affects the wider population. As you say, uh, we're already seeing signs of that anger and, let's say, protests of uh, people wanting to reopen the economy in places like the U.S. The actual um, infected patients themselves, what are the long-term psychological effects of COVID-19 in terms of diagnosis and then maybe even more extreme hospitalization? Right. Well, so for the long-term psychological effects on people who were infected with COVID-19 and had physical symptoms that were serious enough to be hospitalized, I consider it appropriate. to make a comparison with MERS survivors. Mm. Um, A previous study had reported over 60% of Middle East respiratory syndrome survivors showed symptoms of PTSD and sleep problems, anxiety, depression, etc. after one year of survival. Mm. And survivors with a history of ventilator treatment or a family member who died from MERS or a past psychiatric history were even reported to show, show higher suicidality and aggressiveness. Being diagnosed with an acutely life-threatening condition is a traumatic experience. And especially receiving intensive care unit treatment, such as ventilators, can be um, experiences extremely isolating and frightful for the patient. And also infectious disease patients are even more isolated in the ICU Mm. than the other patients. And survivors who had family members die of the same infection reported extreme guilt that they were the ones who... passed on the infection right. to the family member. And this t- in turn led to profound sense of guilt and um, anger. And although people who were infected are actually victims, um, they felt as if others saw them as perpetrators and those who spread the disease. So mental health care should be, um, absolutely should be a part of the follow-up care for those who survived COVID-19. Right, and you... you- Talk about PTSD. You normally think of the Vietnam War or something that's really, really kind of a traumatic, acute event. But uh, this is also similar. And the uh, comparisons to MERS is also instructive uh, in the sense that uh, this is on a much wider scale. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing people suffering from uh, these uh, uh, afflictions on a bigger, bigger, bigger level. Uh, We will have to leave it there. But uh, Professor Wan, uh, always a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you.